Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fourth State Drive Time Edition. This is Marty Duran coming to you live from I-40 westbound. Outside Nashville, Tennessee, is a beautiful Monday, July 25th, 2016. Happy beginning of the week to you. There may have been a glitch at the beginning. I had a, uh, a fat finger on the keyboard and hit the wrong entrance music and then I'm not sure what happened so if there was a kind of a glitch at the beginning my apologies for the technical difficulties my crew slept in this morning one subject today and that is third party voting big uh, conversation over the weekend on my Facebook page led to uh, my idea to do the drive time edition on third party voting this morning because it's a big deal right now there's a tremendous amount of dissatisfaction between the Uh, top candidates, now the presumptive and actual candidates for the presidency from the Democratic and Republican parties. Uh, In May, at least, a Fox News report showed that some 61% of Americans were dissatisfied that those were the top choices for the presidency. So my question remains, why settle for either of those top choices when it is absolutely not necessary Uh, I have, for several elections, voted third-party candidates, and my goal in that, uh, A, was not from some pipe dream that voting for the Constitution Party or the Green Party or the Libertarian Party was going to have anyone elected from that party, uh, but to demonstrate that I feel like the two-party dominance is way out of control, Uh, gerrymandering, uh, federal laws, all these things uh, the presidential, uh, the commission on presidential debates, uh, tremendous influence to keep the two parties uh, so dominant that no other party can ascend to uh, any real national prominence. So, when you begin to talk about voting two party or third party or independent, uh, inevitably you get the well, a vote for them is throwing your vote away, or a vote for them is really a vote for. Uh, whoever that particular person doesn't want to see elected. So in this particular election, if you're talking to a conservative, then uh, they might say, well, if you decide to vote for Gary Johnson or if you decide to vote for Jill Stein, you're just voting for Hillary Clinton. Whereas if you're on the left and somebody says, well, I'm thinking about voting for Daryl Castle of the Constitution Party, then uh, they'll say something like, well, a vote for him is a vote for Donald Trump. And uh, it's, a, it's a technique that people, and I'm not saying that they are intentionally trying to shame it, but it's an illogical thought that there's a binary, and if you step outside of that binary, then you're no longer uh, living in reality. It's almost like the Matrix. And so I want to encourage you to unplug from the Matrix and take another look, because uh, from candidates A, B, C, D, and E, then uh, you have... Your vote for your candidate goes for your candidate. If you vote for uh, Jill Stein of the Green Party, then your vote, unless there's a glitch in the system, doesn't go to the Constitution Party candidate, nor does it take away from Hillary Clinton. And my argument is simply this. If if you want me to vote for your candidate, then don't have a subpar candidate. If you want me to vote for your candidate then don't try to convince me that I should be a voting voting against some other candidate. The reality is when we step into the voting booth, we vote for who we want to be president. Uh, you can say all day long, and people do, that they hold their nose and vote for X. Uh, well, I'm not going to hold my nose and vote for 
Stalin. I'm not going to hold my nose and vote for Hitler. I'm not going to hold my nose and vote for people that I don't trust to lead the country or people that I won't be leading the country. And I don't have to do that because the Constitution guarantees the freedom to vote for who I want to vote for or not to vote or to write in myself. And frankly, this year, that's looking like a better and better option. Now, along this line, people will uh, alternately bring up Ralph Nader and Ross Perot. And some will say, well, Ralph Nader cost Gore the election. People on uh, the more liberal side especially like to say that. And people on the more conservative side like to say, well, you know, Ross Perot uh, cost Bush 41 the election. If it hadn't been for Ross Perot, Bill Clinton would have won. Now, in the episode notes today, I'm going to have uh, only two links. And one of them will be to an article in the Daily Kos. One of them will be to an article in uh, The Spectator. The Daily Kos, which is a liberal, uh, very liberal uh, website, debunks the idea that Ralph Nader cost Al Gore the election. Spectator, which is a very conservative website, debunks the idea that uh, Ross Perot cost George Bush the election. So you have a liberal site comment, uh, commenting on the liberal scenario. You have a conservative site commenting on the conservative scenario. And both of them demonstrate uh, quite believingly, quite convincingly, that uh, Clinton would have won regardless of Perot and uh, Bush 43 would have won regardless of Nader. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and there's there's several reasons that the idea of if you vote for a third party that you're actually voting for X or Y or Z uh, breaks down. And here's one of those places. There isn't a one-to-one correlation between the voters. Uh, so if you vote for Ralph Nader, for instance, n- then no one who's an outside observer can say well, if Nader had not been in the race, then they definitely would have voted for Gore uh, because some Nader voters would have voted for Bush and some Nader voters would not have voted for president at all or would have voted for yet another independent or third-party candidate or wouldn't have voted in the election at all. Same with Perot. Many third-party voters are looking for alternatives. They're not just choosing not to vote for one of the top two. They're looking for a better option. And in their opinion that third party represents a better option. So they step into the voting booth, they vote for the candidate, and afterwards you can't simply draw a one-to-one correlation that all of those votes, or even a majority of those votes, would have gone for the candidate that you wish had won in that particular election. So it really is time that we put those canards to rest that uh, Nader cost Gore and Perot cost Bush, and then that's carried over into the future to where any third-party candidate is going to cost a very specific candidate. Uh, I have friends right now who swear that a vote for Gary Johnson is on the one hand a vote for Trump and on the other hand a vote for Clinton. So anybody who votes for Gary Johnson is actually voting three times it seems like. Maybe you guys live in Chicago or something. I don't know. The real deal though is not just to get votes for third party. At some point, a third party has to begin, uh, a third party candidate or multiple third party candidates have to carry states. Uh, Now, I've written this about this on my blog earlier this year where I postulated a way in which uh, it could be thrown into the House if the various states would align behind different parties. And I drew a scenario, very improbable, but just to show that it could possibly work. Uh, No candidate for president 
that isn't a Democrat or a Republican has carried a state in a presidential election in almost 50 years. It was 1968 when George Wallace, running as a segregationist, carried five states and still lost. The projected winner still would have won, uh, regardless of Wallace's um, taking away of states. Uh, the loser would not have won the ballot. What I'm saying is the loser would not have won the ballot had the loser gotten all of Wallace's states. So the winner won it outright. Um, also, um, Bush, excuse me, Nader did not get electoral votes, nor did Perot get electoral votes, even though they both got uh, bits and pieces of the popular vote. So in order for any of this to begin to really have a, an impact on the election itself, uh, somebody has to win states. Now, if I was Gary Johnson's campaign manager, I wouldn't send Gary Johnson outside of about a two-state-wide swath, three states in some places, from New Mexico and Arizona all the way to the Canadian border. I would stay right in the Plain states in middle America, and I would run right up those alleys where uh, the federal government is not liked where small government is loved, and if I was Johnson's campaign manager, I would run right. I would keep him in those middle states and perhaps Ohio, where he could conceivably pick up an ally in John Kasich, who refuses to campaign for Donald Trump or even say anything nice about him at all. If I was Jill Stein's campaign manager, I wouldn't let her off the West Coast. I would keep her in Oregon, Washington, and California. And I would keep her making speeches and making speeches and drawing distinctions between herself and Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump with the hopes of eking out at least one of those states, uh, if nothing else, as sort of a protest vote. And when that begins to happen, then the Democratic and Republican parties won't simply be able to do as they want to do all the time. Now, it's also important to get popular vote. Uh, even though the popular vote won't necessarily win a state at 15 percent. Um, it's, re- it's important to get the popular vote because that gets candidates into the presidential debates. Uh, if you could check out my blog at martyduran.com, last week I wrote an article about the Presidential Debate Commission. It's basically a scam. It's um, heavily influenced, and by heavily, uh, just read the member list or the director list, it's heavily influenced by the Democratic and Republican parties, Democratic and Republican operatives. And there are a few uh, non-partisans thrown in there for good measure, but it really functions as a bipartisan panel on presidential debates, not a non-partisan panel on presidential debates. And so they have standards that it's almost impossible for a third party or independent candidate to meet unless that person has a bankroll of money and an organization that's nationwide, and et cetera, et cetera, because 15% is a good chunk. So they have successfully kept third-party candidates out of the debates now for years and years and years since uh, 1992, if my memory serves correct. And so getting popular vote for third-party candidates is extremely important. And it would be good this year with the amount of dissatisfaction between the Democratic and Republican candidates uh, if they included Gary Johnson from the Libertarian Party and Jill Stein from the Green Party at the minimum, and then if they really wanted to push the boundaries, have uh, Daryl Castle from the Constitution Party come and uh, just have a great debate and uh, have five people represented. Um, so that's a few thoughts on third-party voting. Uh, I highly encourage you to check out, 
And, uh, and here's another thing, too, really quickly here at the end. Some people say, well, I checked out Gary Johnson, or I checked out Jill Stein, or I checked out whoever, or I checked out an independent candidate, and you know they didn't really line up with my values. And if you ask them about the top candidates, the Democratic and Republican candidates, those candidates don't line up with their values either. And in many instances, people will actually say, well, no, they don't line up any more or any less than the third-party candidate. There are just different issues where they are uh, aligned and uh, where I am in agreement. Well, if that's the case, then why not take a chance or why not help beat the system, if you were, or break the system by voting for an independent or a third-party candidate who you, yes, disagree with, and yes, you have policy differences with, uh, but they're no more substantial than the policy differences you have with the top two candidates. So anyway, just food for thought today, and I hope uh, it encourages you. Thanks for listening. Hope it gives you something to share about. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Fourth State Drive Time. This is Marty Duran. Fourth State Drive Time is a production of Roundtable Media Group. Check us out, roundtablemediagroup.com. Please check out my blog, martyduran.com. And uh, if you'd like to support the podcast or the blog, you can do so through the PayPal link there. And it will be greatly, greatly appreciated. And as always, until the next time, I hope you have a fantastic day.